Wow. I jotted down quite a few things. I'm sure all of us have made at least mental notes. Um, Stay away from Matthew. He wants to hurt people. Um, He takes them out. He takes out children. Where where is he? Where where did he go? Is there there a children's ministry up there? Make sure he stays out of there. And uh, I miss him. And he just taught on Isaiah, so I have to, I have to change what, we're gonna be, what I was talking about. And uh, as I hear everyone talk, oh, have you noticed how it's been overlapping? And that everybody's kind of saying the same thing. I don't know if you realize that the Lord wants to put something across today. And that there's no better and no greater place than to go than his presence. That if we're going to live by truth, we're, we're really going to find ourselves in his presence, pouring out our heart and being real. As Rob was sharing, there's no, there's, there's no real glory that somebody's seeking after when they're walking with the Lord because he deserves all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And there's something really, really cool in the book of Revelation when we get before him. We take these crowns that he gives us for the work that we have done and we realize we haven't done anything and we throw them at his feet. And we say, worthy is the lamb to receive all glory, honor, and praise. And we worship. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I just have so enjoyed the worship. So thank you so much there. And, and just where we could just lift our voices to the Lord. And aren't you glad you weren't singing to the person next to you? That's weird. <laughs> Especially in a men's conference. That, that's weird. You're a weirdo if you've done that. You need help, see Matt. And uh, he'll take you out. I don't know where he wants to take them out to, but I'm not from New York, so I don't know where they take them out. He says, clean up blood. I don't know what he's talking about. (laughs) I know a guy. That's all I kept thinking. (laughs) I actually had somebody come to the church years ago, and he had a whole entourage with him, and, and as these people in suits parted, out came this old gentleman. And he said, you, Pastor Jim. With a voice like that, I thought, oh, this is Godfather. Oh, Father God, or whatever we're doing here. And he thanked me for helping his son, which I I guess I helped his son. And then he patted me, and he kissed me. And he said, you need anything? (laughs) I said, you're all right with me. Okay. I got a call later. They wanted me to be their pastor. Oh, no, 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 no. I know a guy. I got an invitation. Who's the godfather of soul? James Brown. To open his concert one, one evening. And they wanted me to pray and 
open up the, conf- the concert for James Brown. I thought, hmm, that's kind of a conflict. Like I, I had a lot of people who said, man, you know, that would be really cool. You could tell people you meant James Brown. Wow. You, you see, it, it all depends on what we're impressed with. If we're really impressed with the things of the world, the Bible says he's going to take the counsel of the world and make it to nothing. So whatever we're impressed with, all of a sudden it has just become nothing. If we're impressed with the philosophy of the world, we know that that's going to come to an end. And we see that the philosophy changes. And so the very thing that we, you know, start hearing that gets taught, all of a sudden they change and they say, oh, never mind, we were wrong. I've been able to see that uh, the council of the world and they, they've told us how to raise our children certain ways to only come to find out after 10, 15 years. They said, you know, maybe that's not the best way. And then the children are bankrupt on the side of the road. Uh, all we needed to do is listen to the counsel of God. And as Matt had said, just press into him. As, as, as Rob was saying, just, just be so impressed with Jesus that all you do is you just bring people to Jesus. You realize that where lives are changed is at the foot of Jesus Christ. But if you have other ideas that you think, you know, there's another place that I can go before I finally go to him, you're, rip, you're ripping yourself off. You've already been robbed. You're, you're already believing some other form of doctrine, some other weird thing. And I, I want to tell you something. I'm going to be real transparent, real honest, real... real it, it, I might even offend some people. But I, I got to tell you this. I've been around Christianity long enough. I hung around a lot of the big wigs. I've been able to speak at stadiums and do uh, major events and things of that nature and the who's who's of Christianity. And, and, and it's not all that impressive. And I, I, I'll tell you, I've been able to see individuals that all of a sudden the church grows and start, it starts growing. And people go, oh, look at God's using him. And I, I've been able to see people come and take tours to be able to come into a church and go, well, how's this working? How's this happening? And they take tours and they take notes and they, they copy the pastor and they start copying his style. And, it, well, it's got to be this and it's got to be this. At the whole time, they're saying, we believe in Jesus and Jesus is the only thing you need. And Jesus, But, you know, it's Jesus plus. And that's not why Jesus died on the cross. It's because it's Jesus plus. So I'll, I'll be honest, there were some years ago that I, I watched tours go through and interviews and, and you know, the, well, how is this church going here? Well, the wisdom of all of a sudden the team and, you know, we're, we're, we're relatable to people and, and, you know, we're contemporary. Well, we play guitar and, well, actually, you know, we cut our hair this way and, uh, you know, and people start following it. And then I saw a little bit ago that all of a sudden God reveals what's really been going on. And you find out that the guy has, has been having many women and that he's been living a lie. And the church has been booming and it's been going and it's been growing and people have studied it and tried to figure it out. And behind the scenes, all of a sudden you go, it's been nothing but a man of sin. So the way that you need to grow church is be a man of sin. 
I mean, if you're really going to study how the church grew, then, then if you're going to examine a man, if you're going to look at it, now all of a sudden, all of your, your profiles that you've just done in church growth has just gone out the window because, uh-oh, now I'm all of a sudden confused. And you see, God will do that. He does it so much for us that all of a sudden we see if we are looking at somewhere else other than what we need to be looking he shows us to be foolish in our thoughts and our pursuits. And he reveals things to us so that he could grab our heart and be able to say, it's none of the things you think it is. It's only me. I let the rain fall on the just and the unjust. I will honor my name above all else, or honor my word above my name. This is, this is what I do. I use this despite this person. You know, Jim, what are you talking about? You see, we have a life to live. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I don't know where your life is going to lead you. But one thing I, I want to say with a, with a, with a broken heart, with a, with a hard, heavy heart, is I, I've been behind a pulpit for 34 years, and, and that's not a badge of glory or anything, but the sad part is I, I've been able to see the, the, the roads to conferences scattered with the corpses of good intentions. Of people who had made commitments and said, yes, I'm going to do this, and then you say, where are they and what has happened? I've seen people bankrupt. I, I, I have someone dear to me that, that literally has led a major ministry and we're trying to put pieces back together. Wondering if you can ever find the Lord again. Guys, we're not dealing with if it's a good message. We're not dealing with if we uh, had a good time today. We're not dealing with if the food was wonderful. And, and all of those things are great and all of those things have been great. The food has been wonderful. We're dealing with what will we do when we leave this place today and we go back out just like disciples had an incredible time in the presence of the Lord at the Mount of Transfiguration and they wanted to stay there. And and man, if they stayed there, they wouldn't have any issues in life. They could just see the Lord. They could worship the Lord. They could go to say something, get corrected by the Lord. I mean, this was the dome to live in, the bubble. But reality was, as soon as they left the presence of the Lord, they went down, and what waited them was a demon-possessed child. And what they were to have and grab from that time with the Lord was the equipping for the demon-possessed when they were coming back from the mountaintop. Some of you are going to go home today, and, and, and you're going to literally wonder, is my wife demon-possessed? <laughs> it may happen. She goes, what, did you have a good time? And, and, and you might even go, hey, I want to tell you what I learned today. And guess what? I've made a commitment on the Lord. And the next thing you know, by that look, everything you have just bathed in has gone out the window. You're just back to the same old, well, I'm not talking to her. I quit. I'm not leading this family. We'll be challenged, and the Lord does that, to see what really happened here today. If you're here and you've been working on patience, I'll tell you what, somebody's going to drive really slow in front of you. 
I mean, that, that's what happens, right? You go, Lord, I'm so glad you, you gave me new patience. <laughs> I need another conference. No. No, you know, we'll probably have another conference. There'll be another conference to go to. But no, what we need is a real encounter with Christ. Because this life is right before us. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But, 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 uh, but, and I, I've shared this many times, if you're going to follow your but, you're going to go backwards. <laughs> All right, now some of you guys are going to keep that. You're going to go, I'm using that one. <laughs> but if you follow your but throughout life, you will continually go backwards, and it's always a step backwards, and, always, and then a couple steps, and then a couple steps backwards, and a couple steps forward, and a couple steps backward, and you know how many people in Christianity are constantly going nowhere and there's a lot of movement. But there's no progression for the glory of God. And what I mean for the glory of God, it's not so that we can say, well, I did something. It's not so that I can say that I accomplished anything or I can have a story or not have a story. See, if you walk with the Lord, you're going to have stories. And usually the stories are about the goodness of God and what he's been able to do and, and how you were not. And what we've heard today is how mankind have, have come to the realization that they're really not, but there is one who really is. And he's the Lord of hosts. And I was going to talk on Isaiah, and, and somebody stole it. And I, I, I can't do it anymore, so uh, wonderful thing. But I want to tell you what, what took place before that. It was the year that King Uzziah died that the Isaiah saw the Lord. And you know, the cool thing about that is King Uzziah was really important to Isaiah. And he was a cornerstone in Isaiah's life. And some say that he was really a good friend. And that he was somebody that actually gave Isaiah a whole lot of security and, and somebody that really was there for him. And then when he died, Isaiah came to a place of really looking and saying, who in the world am I? My, 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 my security is gone. My friendship is gone. I seem to be all alone. And he came to the realization he wasn't alone. And that's the year he saw the Lord. See, what I've come to realize is that there's, there's something that happens with all of us is that uh, although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and kindness shall follow me. And you know, you, you come to realize this, that sometimes we come to that place of just saying, you know what, in Christianity, you may have to walk alone at some point. You may have to carry a torch that uh, nobody else goes with you. But you're never really alone. And you come to the place that it's better to be alone with the Lord than it ever is to be not with the Lord with many a people. And what the psalmist says there is a kind of interesting thing. It's, he says, my cup runs over. 
There was a tradition in Israel that uh, would take place of strangers if they came into town and they knocked at your door and they said, I have no place to stay. You were required to open up your house and let them and feed them. And, and you could feed them and try to give them comfort, and then hopefully you could send them on, or they could end up being there like, you know, Uncle So-and-so for the rest of your life. But what it was in tradition is at the meal, what would take place is the host would take uh, the goblet, and he would pour in a certain amount of wine into the goblet. And if it was half full, it was like, okay, we've had a good visit, it's time for you to leave. But if he wanted you to stay, he would fill the cup. And that meant you can stay here. And you can keep staying here. And what the psalmist is saying is, in the presence of the Lord, even though I'm in the valley of the shadow of the death, I I won't fear. He's with me. He protects me. He guides me. He leads me. And in his presence, the cup is running over. And what that means is he keeps saying, stay here. Stay here in my presence. And he keeps filling the cup to overflowing so that we never have to leave his presence. It isn't like he says, leave my presence, now go do. It's no, let me fill your cup, stay in my presence, dwell with me, I in you. Remember the prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17? Father, that they would be as I with you and you with me. His prayer, his desire has been and can be accomplished. It's been accomplished with many individuals that they find out, even though I go into a workplace, even though I go into a valley of the shadow of death, I'm not alone. The cup is running over. The Lord is with me. And then you start realizing, you know, when, when, when you hear uh, uh, Matt uh, say, drive five hours to, to, to church, oh, I didn't care to do that. Well, yeah, there were the times you didn't care to do it, but there were also the times you just said, look, the Lord has me doing this. The Lord is my strength. He's my substance. He's my refuge. He is my help in time of need. Guys, I, I, I'm just... I guess kind of also just kind of blabbering a little bit on just trying to remind us, even though you know these things, it's his goodness that really has got us here. And I hope and I pray that you never forget it's all about the Lord. And whatever difficulty may face you, the Lord can walk with you in the midst of that difficulty. The Lord is more than what we've ever needed. But if we're going to stay within the, con, uh, uh, the direction of uh, uh, the man that God uses, I, I want to tell you, I, I've come to realize not only is it somebody who uh, I'm the way, follows his way, the truth wants to be honest and transparent and real before God. There's no games. But life is a man that would be on his knees. It's, it's an amazing thing. There was something that the church just knew. The church prayed. It wasn't to have a prayer meeting. It was the the church was a prayer meeting. Uh, Every time as you read through the book of Acts, you'll come to realize that whenever they faced difficulty, whenever they faced a question, whenever they faced anything, they just prayed. It was an automatic flow of what takes place with a Christian that wants to be used. As soon as they hear, hey, brother so-and-so in prison, they prayed. 
And how did they learn this? Because you can read throughout the Bible, and it's just too numerous to even write down. Well, I actually wrote them down, and, and I'm such a mess this time that uh, everything is, we're in move, so I don't have anything that prints anything. It's just scribbles. But you can just read and read and read. And Jesus withdrew himself and prayed. The Mount of Transfiguration is Jesus praying. And, 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 and whenever they couldn't find Jesus, what he was doing is he was spending time with the Father and he was praying. Uh, you see, there's a wonderful thing. Paul, uh, um, Rob was saying, how wonderful would be Paul? Y- yes, it would if we didn't have to pay the price of Paul. And I agree with that fullheartedly. But understand how Paul started his public ministry, how he was used. It it said, Paul and Barnabas in Acts, uh, I think it's Acts chapter 9, it says, And Paul and Barnabas was ministering unto the Lord, and the Lord said, Separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the ministry. And then as they fasted and prayed, he sent them out, and they were filled with the Spirit. Paul's ministry started as they were ministering to the Lord. And then the Lord said, I, I'll take these guys. And then they said, oh, oh we're, we're now you know, filled with the Spirit, and now we're going to go. So then what they do further, they fast and they prayed. And now they go out to do ministry, and every time he ran into a conflict, he prayed. You, you look at Moses. If you ever look at the, the life of Moses, it's like a, a chapter after chapter after chapter, something goes on. And Moses, I just, if I was to make the movie, it would be Moses, all of a sudden, he just falls forward and hits the ground. He's praying. And all we see is Moses praying. Boom, hits the ground and prays. And God picks him back up, answers, and, and, and dusts him off and said, okay, Mo, uh, this is what we're doing. Here's the direction. And Moses finds all this kind of strength and gets his direction from God. And then he hides behind a rock and he prays some more because he's really not all that strong. And God says, get out there and get, get going. Okay. And he goes back out. He's always in prayer. The glory of God has filled his face because he's in prayer. So we have, uh, uh, you know, James tells us that we don't have because we don't even ask. And when we do ask, we ask in a miss that we may spend it on something that is not the plan or the will or the ways of God. I remember a guy teaching on prayer, and I couldn't believe I was hearing this. And he says, you know, sometimes you don't get what you're asking for because you're not giving God details enough. And that perked my attention. So he goes, you know, I wanted this bicycle, so I was asking God for this bicycle, and I didn't get the bike. Now, that concerned me, because I had prayed many a times, and I didn't get the bike, that, you know, and I know you ask, and you will receive. He says, and I'm praying, and I'm saying, God, I just don't get it. I haven't got the bike yet. And God said, well, well listen, I want to give you the bike, but you didn't tell me the color you want. He says, well, I told him the color, and I got the bike. Now, the crowd is going, ha, ha, ha. I'm going, wait, 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 wait. God doesn't know the color you need? He doesn't know the color that's best for you? If he wants to end my life, he's going to give me a black bike so they can't see me at night and I get run over and die. (laughs) If I'm a drug dealer, I want a black bike. If I'm, I don't know, if I want to live a long time, I want a bright orange bike. God knows the color of a bike and maybe I shouldn't have a bike at all. Maybe I'm the moron that drives in traffic and I shouldn't be on a bike at all. 
Aren't you glad that your prayers are sometimes just amiss? And you know what it means by amiss? You ever throw a ball? I mean, you ever see... You ever see a girl throw a ball? <laughs> they amiss. Sometimes our prayers amiss the will of God. And he takes the Holy Spirit and he moves those in and he gives us God's desire. Isn't that better than being a spoiled child saying, I, I want this color. I want it this way. No, I want what God wants for me. And I ask in faith, knowing that, listen, listen, all things were made by him, for him, for his good pleasure they exist, so why don't I just be one of the vessels of good pleasure? Lord, I, I like a bike. You ever not get an answer? Well, prayer is full of not getting answers. That's where the measure of faith is, that you, you haven't got an answer, and you're going to continue doing what God's already told you. Why should he give you further instruction until you've done the instruction that he's already given you? And I've come to realize that in my own life is, I, I want God to talk a lot, and God says, listen, listen, why don't you just do what I've already told you to do? Why do you need further instruction? It's an amazing thing if you'll dare to do something that's really, really radical. Go through the Old Testament and you'll come to find out that when these people prayed, they didn't hear from God and it could be years and years and years and years, but they continued doing what God had called them to do in righteousness and truth and the life that God has given them until God spoke again. Sometimes we want to ask questions just for question's sake. My daughter, many years ago, it was time for bed, and if you have little children, you know what that can be like. And I said, honey, it's time to go to bed. She stood in the hallway, got close to the room, and I said, she goes, but, but Dad, I, I, I got to ask you something. I said, no, it's time for bed now. She goes, yeah, but Dad, it's about the Bible. <laughs> so here we go. She knows I can't turn that down, right? Bad, bad pastor. I said, no, honey, we'll do Bible tomorrow. No, no, I, I, I said, no, it's time to go to bed. Okay, but let me ask you one more question. It's really important. It's about boys. No, no, it's time to go to bed. Get moving. And a lot of us is just, we want to talk. Ask another question, ask another question. Well, here's my daughter all of a sudden. I said, get moving. And she stood there and she goes. <laughs> so what are you doing? Moving. And then she saw the gleam, you know, the, the look. And she went, good night. <laughs> Some of us Christians are like that. Hey, what do you want me to do, Dad? Well, I want you to go to bed. Okay, let me ask you a question. What bed? I mean, really, who is my neighbor? And a lot of times our life is filled with question upon question, and we call it prayer. And prayer really isn't asking a whole lot of questions. Prayer is really trusting God with our life and saying, as Isaiah, here I am, send me. And then God says, okay, I'm going to send you, Isaiah, to a people. Guess what, Isaiah? They're not going to like you. They're not going to listen to you, and you're not changing the message. 
Did I say I wanted to go? Did, did I really just eat the coal and do all that? Look, this was a good conference. All right, I'll have to pray about that one. What did God tell you today? Was there something that he has already moved in your heart and, and he's already told you? And maybe there was something that, honestly, see, he who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, it's sin. That's what James says. And there was something that was going on, as, as Matt was saying. You know, I'm just going to say, you know what, guys, if, if you're compromising... And if you notice, he did that a couple times. And he did that a couple times because God has told some of you guys to already be about something. And you just, no. And even as I'm talking, you're going, get more to the laugh stuff instead of the stuff that. But see, it's purely up to you. It will be purely up to you if you're going to be that person that God uses. He, 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 he will use you as a vessel of honor or as a vessel of dishonor. And so there will be those who we can look on and people look at their life and they scratch their head. I wonder. But then there will be those who people look on and simply go, wow. Can you imagine what God's doing? If you get a chance to talk to Rob, it's really as Rob just had shared a couple of stories and I giggled because I, I come to realize that there, there's been a lot of guys that I have just kind of said, hey, why don't you go do it? And you know what's kind of a funny thing is there's been a lot of guys who said, okay. And I sit back and I laugh. I, I just had somebody say to me that they said that they were talking to Pastor Rob and, and had an idea. And then uh, he said, okay, he says, why don't you do it? And then the person went, huh? And Rob laughed. I thought he learned from me. You just kind of go, hey, go ahead and do it. And then you chuckle. Because you know what's in store. The guy's life is radically going to be changed if he dares enough to go do what God has birthed in his heart to go do. There's nothing greater as I hear about Matt, and, and I don't know him, but we, we just met, and, and I'm already rejoicing as I was over there just praying for him, and that he's been doing a ministry now a couple years. Do you know, realize what's going to happen inside that man's life? And how his family is going to be radically changed? And how he's going to be able to touch people for the word of God? And, he's, and how he's going to make a mess of messages? I mean, he's going to teach some what I call flingers. I'm sure he's probably has. I'm going to look him up and, and, and listen to some of his messages. I'm not putting him down right now, but he's going to have some messages that later on, 15 years down the road, he goes, did I really say that? <laughs> what I meant was, and he's going to work through this, and, and what he's going to do is he's going to see all of a sudden what the Lord really wanted to happen, what the Lord wasn't really all into, and, and he's, going to, he's going to do this, and he's going to do this in a wonderful heart, and his family's going to get behind him, and the church is going to get behind him, and, and, and God's glory is going to fill the place, and he's going to stand back if he stays pure and, and right in his heart. He's going to stand back and say, oh, it's the Lord. I've been blessed to hang out with uh, Pastor Chuck and, and just kind of walk around with him at different times and him just say, oh, isn't the Lord good? 
And, and, and really, you go, oh, that's great. You know, I learned something years ago with Pastor Chuck. He would always say, we. A we. And, and so it was like, did he have a mouse in his pocket when he was doing this stuff? Or we. And, and you come to realize that he'd say, and we went over here. Well, he went by himself, but not to Chuck. He was never by himself. When he said we, it was him and the Lord. And so we went to minister. And it was a strange thing. I found myself early in, in my Christianity using that same phrase because I realized, you know, that, that is really, really true. And unless we acknowledge it, that we're with the Lord, we're with the Lord even in the midst of our rebellion. So the book of Revelation, we, we come to find out that God's really into our prayers. So the man that God uses is a man who will pray. He stores up in the book of Revelation, it has uh, Revelation 5, it has that the, the, the prayers of the saints are, are now poured out and, and he's kept all those unanswered prayers and those prayers that come Lord Jesus, come. And, he, and he's just, here I'm coming. Isn't that incredible? He doesn't do that with anything else. He doesn't do that with, oh, you gave a dollar. I have this saved up here, your rusty, crusty old dollar. No, the prayers of the saints is where, because, listen, listen, you won't pray if you're not impressed. The church prays. The church prays because the church has nowhere else to go. The church hasn't found any other way. The church hasn't found any other truth. The people haven't found anything that meets them like the Lord in the midst of prayer. In the midst of prayer, the thoughts and the intents of our hearts are revealed. In the midst of prayer, we see if we're playing a game, if we're just phony or fake. In the midst of prayer, it's where the men stand out and the boys leave. In the midst of prayer, it's, it's, God says in Jeremiah, when you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. Yes, you will find me, and I will answer, and I will deliver you. He says, when you seek me with your whole heart, it's an amazing thing. There's a woman. Turn with me real quick to uh, Matthew uh, 15. I, I jotted this down here. Um, Matthew chapter 15, verse 21, and Jesus went out and departed from the region of Tyre and Sidon. Verse 22, and behold, a woman of Canaan came to the region and cried out, saying uh, to him, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Are you with me? Uh, I'm going to use this woman as the importance of prayer and how prayer works. And if you'll notice with me, there's there's a region of the Gentiles. There's a region of the uncalled. There's a region of the uh, uncircumcised. The region, at this point, they're known as the dogs. 
And here's a woman, she is a woman, that, that's a strike against her. So here's a woman in a society that is beneath the dogs. She's lower than a Gentile. Uh, society at this mo- point in time doesn't hold her of any esteem. And she's uh, from a Gentile nation. And she comes out and she cries and she prays to the Lord, have mercy on me. Now, I want you to understand something in our prayer. We don't come to him in our own merit. As a matter of fact, we come to us to him in our truth. I am nothing. I'm undone. Just like Isaiah. Just like, just like uh, uh, the man who knows that the only real answer and power is in Christ, and it's not in me. It's not how I pray. It's not the faith that I have in prayer. It's nothing that I can possess in myself. And she comes and cries out and says, have mercy on me. Do you know the definition of mercy? Is not getting what you deserve. You know we deserve hell? There's none of us in here who don't deserve it. I, I, I've, I've warranted hell ten times over. I've warranted judgment every single day. I've thought thoughts I should not have thought. I've revenged on people in my, in my prayer life or thought life. I, I deserve death. Oh, Lord, have mercy on me. So we come by his mercy. We are are trusting in his grace. And she cries out, have mercy on me. And she has this need. Understand that. Let me get your attention. See, her need is bigger than all of the obstacles in front of her. The obstacle, number one, she's a Gentile. She knows that he's the Messiah. Uh, Gentiles aren't even included at this moment, and she's a woman. And we'll see in a moment, the disciples have been trying to keep her away. There's all kinds of obstacles here, and she's going to, as Matt was was sharing, she's going to push into the Lord, and she's going to keep on pressing, and she cries out, have mercy on me, because my need is bigger than all of this discomfort of me spending this time fighting a crowd, coming to see you, and, and the embarrassment of where I am, and the confession that my family is completely a mess, have mercy on me, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. Now, she, she's not saying my, my daughter's a little demon-possessed, like Susie's. She's saying, my family's the biggest mess you've ever seen. My daughter's in real, real trouble. And and God, you have to do something. You are the only one I can come to. And this is all what's transpiring here. And uh, look, look at verse 23. But he answered her not a word. Let me get your attention. Listen, our prayer life may be that uh, your whole life has fallen apart and and you're pushing, you're pushing, you're pushing, and there's crickets. Could you imagine how much worse that circumstance just just happened inside her own heart, inside her own life? Now, Now, here's the scene. Jesus is walking, crowds around, woman makes a scene, have mercy on me, she falls down, cries. Disciples will see in a moment saying, we've been trying to keep her away. She won't stop. She keeps bugging us. We've tried to keep her from you. 
Hey, the the ways of this world is going to do everything it can to keep you from coming to Christ, keep you from pressing in, keep you from truth, and really keep you in this idea of hiding and pretending I'm better than I am. She doesn't care about that. She breaks through. And now watch, Jesus all of a sudden gets attention and he looks at her. He doesn't say a thing. Oh, fantastic. The crowd silenced. <sighs> wow. I really, I, I'm really worth nothing. I, I can't imagine what this woman must have just thought when all of a sudden Jesus was silent. I'll tell you what, there was a time my mother had just passed away. I was young. All of a sudden, we got news that she was sick, and doctor came to me and said, listen, who wants to tell the family, and who wants to tell her? They had done a surgery, and they found out that she was full of cancer. Well, I don't know why everything always fell on my shoulders, but I'm the middle child, and the family looked and said, Jim will. So now I get to sit with my mother and tell her that the doctor says she has a couple months to live. So I sat with her, we wept, we cried. So I did one of these things. I said, God, uh, I'm pulling in a favor. You know, I've been serving you for X amount of years, and some people have come to know the Lord, and I, I, I've, I've, I've really paid some prices here, and could you do one for me? She went to the doctor, and she was getting worse. And I realized he's bringing her home. And I wish I could say that all of a sudden I went, you know, oh, man, that's great news. No, I, I was a little upset. I felt like I was getting ripped off. So I went in. I was a pastor at that time, and I went in, and I took this, the church, and I bolted the doors, and I locked it, and I, I came in, and I uh, turned on some worship music, and I said to a couple guys that were there, listen, I'm going to go in the sanctuary and I don't want to be disturbed and, and I'm not leaving until I get an answer. And I found myself kicking on the worship music and I've never shared this story and kicking on the worship music and my heart was, Lord, I'm really, really frustrated. I'm really, really irritated. I can't hear from you. And I'm not leaving until I worship. I didn't need to hear something. There's something really wonderful that this woman does. And it says, and the disciples came and, and urged him, said, send her away, uh, for she's been crying out. And, and, um, and then Jesus says, I was not sent except for to the lost sheep of Israel. And the woman came and worshiped and said, Lord, just help me then. You see, she didn't get the answer right then that she wanted, and she just said, well, you know what, then I'm just going to worship. I, I got nothing else to do. I, I'm just going to keep staying with you, and, and now I'm sure she was completely disappointed. She was embarrassed. She was, he didn't say that. He, he said, I, I'm not sent for you. I'm, I'm sent for a whole other group. And she goes, okay, I'm still going to worship you. I'm not getting the answer I want, but I want to worship. 
And she stayed there and worshipped. And I'll tell you what, what took place. It was hours and hours and hours. I found myself in the sanctuary of God. And I found myself at the altar. And as I just bawled and cried and fought and struggled, I found myself finally worshiping. You see, we, we talk about the altar, and I want to tell you something. The altar is here uh, as a place of sacrifice, but the altar, I think, is beautifully named. It's where our life gets altered. And as we lay ourselves down on the altar, we get altered. And, and, and the altar is, is simply a place of worship. And, and prayer starts that worship. And prayer continues that worship. And prayer is in the midst of that worship. And prayer, when worship is over, prayer continues. And then we go on and we continue in this attitude of prayer. And, and she, just, she just said, Lord, then just help me. And what she's saying here is, okay, if my daughter's going to live as a demon-possessed girl, then Lord, help me in this. See, Christians pray. We, 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 that's what we do. It's, it's not something we put on. It's just we do. It's, it, he's the one who talks to us. He's the one. The Bible said this, and I had to learn this years ago. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. I went, uh-oh, I don't. Well, then you're not a sheep. Oh. Let me clean these ears out. Let me see. If he says the sheep hear my voice and I'm having a hard time hearing his voice, you know what I found out? I, is I need to clear away some distractions and I need to clear away some sin and I need to, because the Bible said your sin separates you from me and I had to get that slate cleaned out and I had to have my ears cleaned out and my heart cleaned out so that I could hear the voice of God so that I could worship him in obedience so that I could be somebody that worships God in truth. Okay. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, if my life is filled, and my life is that my daughter is a demon-possessed girl, then help me. Some of you may have a life that is full of difficulty, and that's a good life. When you have the attitude, okay, Lord, then you help me with this. I know some people that have had where the Lord has desired to bless them with a child that has all kinds of issues. And I know these people, and I, I've seen people, they, they just go, oh, Lord, just help me. And they do, and he does. And they are so blessed with what the Lord has given them. And my heart is always challenged. I say, How does that work? Well, it works because God is faithful. He uses the person who leans on him. He uses the person who will dare enough to pray. And prayer is the ultimate of humility when we're not trusting ourselves any longer, but we're leaning on the heart, the way, the truth of God. One of the greatest things I do as I read my Bible is pray. I read and pray. I read and pray. Because I, I come to realize the church is just full of people who just pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And uh, the woman then, watch this, she says, okay, well then just, just uh, help me. And Jesus says, well, just help me. And then Jesus answered and he said, 
it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. Now, there's something that really happened here. All of a sudden, this thing was settled. This thing was done. And she said, okay, then just help me. And Jesus was moved here. And he says, well, listen, I, I, you know, I, I'm here for the house of Israel. We know that he was first going to the house of Israel. Then it would get turned to the Gentiles. And it wasn't yet time. It wasn't that he was being cold. It was that he was following the direction of the Father. And at the midst of this, this whole timing was being challenged. And he says, well, listen, it's not even good to give to the little dogs. And he used a very compassionate name instead of just saying, you dog. He said, the little dogs are like the little house dogs. It's not all that good. And in other words, you know, I, I'm not about this business right now. And and, and, and she says, yes, but Lord, even the little dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And, and so now she's in the midst of worship. She's opened up a communication that she couldn't do before because worship seems to loosen up the heart of God. And it loosens up the heart of man to talk to God in a way that we communicate uh, unlike any other place. It's, it's, it's in worship of prayer. See, prayer is worship, and, and worship is prayer. And, and, and so he then, she says, yeah, but even the little dogs get something that just falls off the table. And then Jesus said, he says, oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done as you desire. And that day her, or that moment, her daughter was healed. L listen, listen, do you think if this whole thing took a half an hour, an hour, that it was worth it? Yeah, all of a sudden she goes, okay, I was ready and willing to just continue to worship and live in the situation that I find myself in, and I'm going to see the Lord in this situation. I'm going to see the Lord. I'm going to walk with the Lord. Since we're in this, we might as well make this for the glory of God. And God says, really? Well, you know, I'm kind of just doing, that's fine. Can I have a crumb? She was willing to settle for a crumb of the Lord because she was so impressed that the crumb of the Lord was bigger than what she had already. The scraps of the table was better than anything the world had to offer. It wasn't like I was going to take an aspirin and things would get better. It wasn't that the philosophy and coming to learn how to live with it was going to be the answer. A crumb from God is better than anything the world has to offer. And that's what she was saying to him. And he says, oh, wow. That's incredible faith. It's done. What was he doing this for? I, I mean, I, I struggle with it. God, come on. The lady comes in. Were you playing games? No, you got to remember, disciples are seeing somebody in need, and they go, what a asshole. Oh, what a hassle. We've dealt with this before. Do you know how many people there are that are demon-possessed? You know how many people there are that are in need? You know what? What a hassle. Hey, we're busy. We're going out to do this ministry. You know how many times God stopped me in the midst of going out to do some ministry to go and do some ministry? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a funny thing. The guy goes, oh, what are you doing? Oh, come on, God, I got this message I got to give. Really? Well, here's the guy who could use a little encouragement. Okay, Africa. Prayer. Prayer. 
Christians pray. It's our go-to. It's where we're altered. It's where we're changed. It's where we find answers. It's where we find direction. It's where we live. It's just, man, we get to pray. And as Paul and Barnabas ministered to the Lord, he said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the ministry. And and they were separated. And they were people that God used. And I, I have tons of little notes on scratch pads as I was listening to Matthew and wonderful message and Rob and prayer. Oh, I got to share one more thing. It's it's kind of cool. Paul the apostle, he was on the road to Damascus, and uh, as he was got, uh, you know, he was killing Christians. Pretty bad guy. And that word kind of spread. Don't trust him. He kills you. You don't just talk about it. He does it. So he's got a letter in hand to go kill those of the way. You know the story. He gets meant by Christ. Christ blinds him. And then Jesus goes to Ananias. He said, Ananias, there's a man by the name of Saul. And he explains what has just happened to him and that he needs to go and pray for him. That he would receive his sight. And Ananias goes, I've heard of this guy. I don't don't want to be the tool that does this. Now you can imagine the whole church hates Paul. I mean, he's been killing the Christians and then all of a sudden you're picked to go minister to the guy that's been killing people. One, you go, I don't want that reputation. Oh, that's the guy. Oh, you're friends with him? Well, God told me to go minister to him. Come on. So all of a sudden, I don't want to do that. And then on top of that, you know what? He's not that friendly to anybody who's Christian. So I heard about him. God, you sure you know what you're doing? And you know what God said? It's an incredible thing. You can read it for yourself. He says, yeah, Ananias, don't be afraid. He's praying. That's all he said. And that sticks out like, like, boom. Hey, don't worry, Paul's praying. He's different. Before he was doing stuff for me, and it was by his own thoughts. You, you see, many of people think good ideas are God's ideas. And so it's a good idea. We could go do this, and we could set up this ministry. We could do this. And it was never God's idea at all. It was just a good idea. So Paul is doing good ideas for God, going out to kill those who are bothering God. He's out to defend God. And then God says, well, listen, listen, listen. I blinded him. I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. But listen, you don't need to know any about that. He didn't tell Ananias any of that. He just said, listen, don't be afraid. He's praying. And what that says is simply this. He's completely different because he's praying. Uh, 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 enemies of God don't pray. People who are not impressed with God don't pray. Those who are really just kind of playing games, they, they don't pray. But those who are serious about seeking the face of God, knowing his ways, knowing his direction, walking in communication with him, they pray. Life is about prayer. 
As a matter of fact, Jesus was so upset about his house being a place of merchandising and messages that he flipped over the tables and he said, my house will be a house of prayer. He didn't say it would be a place of fill in the blanks. He said, house of prayer. Now here's a question. I, I, I love... I love what Rob had said is, you know, have you ever just invited? I've done something for years. I just ask people to pray with me. Hey, will you pray with me and ask Jesus in your life? But I don't believe in him. Okay, well, will you pray with me and ask Jesus in your life? And they look at me like, did you just land from Mars? I know, but will you pray with me and ask him in your life? Well, I told you I don't believe he is. Then you have nothing to worry about. If he's real, he's coming in. If he's pretend, you'll stay the same. Will you dare enough to meet it in prayer, come inside my life if you're real? Show yourself to me if you're real? Well, I don't believe in him. Then pray with me. I'm not doing that. Then you believe in him. You're already afraid of him. See, prayer is the place that truth is real. Prayer is the place that his way is challenged, our way or his way. Prayer is the place that our heart is actually changed. And prayer is the place we started. You realize that? That we prayed the confession of our mouth, the opening of our heart, and he came in. And prayer is the place we will end as we open up our mouth, open up our heart, and acknowledge him in worship as God. So prayer should be the most important aspect of our life as we read the word, as we pray, as we have the word become real to us, as we commune with him. If Jesus prayed all the time, what are we doing not? Do you have a need? Do you have sin? I wish that some men would have taken opportunities given to them to stop them before things got worse and really humble themselves and say, Lord, change me now. Stop this madness now. The things that pastors get to see are things that are sometimes not all that pleasant. As somebody says, listen, everything fell apart. You say, God's been telling you already, stop what you're doing. I did an afterglow service some years ago, and the place had, well, hundreds of people in it. And God put on my heart that there was somebody in the room that came here and they're going to be leaving their wife tonight to go in the arms of another woman. And God wants you to stop. Now, whenever you do an afterglow service, you have to have somebody stand up and say, yes, and tell us, is that you? And in the midst of hundreds of people, I said that, and I went, oh, God, this is that cutting-edge stuff I hate. And a guy stood up in the back and he said, I just drove by the church, and I said, God, if you're real, you'll talk to me. 
He says, it's me. I was leaving my family tonight for the arms of another woman. He radically got changed. He brought his family, ends up going to the church, the whole family gets saved, and his life ended up on the right path. But he had to get real. Will you be real tonight, today? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one's going to the Father but by him. And you're not going to trick him. So if your life is in need, I'm going to ask the guys who, uh, the pastors that are here, if we could do something, I know that we're going to have also communion. Can I, can I do this a little bit? Like, but could you guys come on up? I'd like you guys who, who, who are going to be teaching or taught, can you guys come on up? And usually what we would do, and I say usually, there's no real given anything, but uh, listen, I want to tell you, we're not going to dim lights and we're not going to put on a little music. I can hum, I guess. But I'm going to ask you, has the Lord been ministering to you? Do you already know in the ticker of your heart that there's something that's just got to get out? I'm, I'm going to ask us to really just for a moment just close our eyes and bow our heads and if God moves on your heart we're standing up here to pray with you not for counsel but we're just going to ask you to, you know pray to the Lord and we're going to pray with you and then you're going to you're going to be set free tonight and you can go back and you can sit on your seat and then you can go you know what I'm right with God, right where I need to be. There's a way that seems right to man, and the end is destruction. <laughs> but, but there's a way that is right, and God knows it. Oh, Father, as our eyes are closed, Lord, and our heads are bowed, search us, oh, Lord, search us, and see if there'll be a wicked way in us. And Lord, as we wait on you, and Lord, you see them in here. You see each one of our hearts. God, if you see something that just is not pleasing to you, will you reveal it to us? And Lord, give these men the strength to be able to stand up, to, to come for prayer, to have their life changed. So Lord, that their life would be altered this day, that we could leave here today just letting our light so shine before men that they would see your good works and glorify you. So God, as we just stop for a moment in silence, Lord, just move among us and have us respond by your spirit as we wait on you. Guys, listen, if the Lord moves on your heart, come on up and get prayer. Don't, don't sit in your seat. We're going we're gonna to do this for a few minutes and then we're going to hand it over for communion. Good move, good move, good move. So if you need prayer, find one of us. We'd love to pray with you. The rest of you, would you please just stay in the attitude of prayer and pray that God's spirit would just move among us and do as he wishes. Amen? Amen.